and welcome to Big Gay Energy. I'm Bree. I'm Theora. And I'm Caitlin. Come along with us while we dive into the fun and nuances of queer media. Representation matters, and we're here to talk about it. Hello, everyone. We are super excited to talk to our guest today. Everybody, please welcome Sheila Wilson. Sheila is a super talented writer who created some of our favorite Warrior Nun episodes. And we are so beyond thrilled you took the time to talk to us today. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. (laughs) Yay. Okay. (sighs) Listen, I'm a writer too, so I'm super excited to talk to you. But my first question we have is why did you decide to be a writer and what drew you to television writing? Oh, that's a good question. Um, So I think for me, um, backstory, abridged version. So I'm originally from Louisville, Kentucky, um, but my family and I kind of grew up a little bit on the outskirts of the city. And so I had this experience where I was kind of in this more rural area and Mm -hmm. we were like the only black family in our neighborhood. And I didn't know any other queer kids and I was queer. And so <laughs> I, <laughs> let's go. Um, and so I I think I gravitated originally towards like movies and TV just because it was the only place I saw myself mirrored in real life a lot of the times. And so I, you know, I could still like recite most of Fresh Prince. Like I just watched like all these old like sitcoms and, mm-hmm. and just movies that my parents loved. And so I think that was maybe like the first thing that kind of drew me to TV, but most of my life I thought I wanted to be a pediatrician when I was a kid. Long story, I was kind of sickly as a kid and I was just around doctors and you kind of want to be what you see, right? So I'm like, oh, I want to do that. However, I, in high school, I went to like a magnet school that had an arts program and I took a playwriting class as an elective and that was my first mistake um, because (laughs) (laughs) I I just fell in love with like theater and um, I wrote and directed plays all through high school. And um, I think that was for when, you know, for me, I was just like, okay, like, I think I want to do something in this world. Um, and so I went to undergrad at a school in Chicago called Columbia College Chicago. And I just studied film in general because I was coming from theater and I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do in in film and TV. Mm -hmm. I just knew that I liked it. And so I took classes and everything. Like I tried production design and cinematography Mm -hmm. and just like things that I'm not good at. (laughs) Um, But I took um, I took a screenwriting class um, and one day my professor like pulled me aside after class and she was like, I like your writing and I think it's good. And she told me about this um, program in LA called AFI. And she said that if I wanted to apply, um, she would pay my application fee. And so, which was very sweet of her. (laughs) Um, And so I took her up on that offer and I ended up getting in. And so I like sold everything and moved to Los Angeles for the screenwriting program at AFI and I, it was amazing, very intense, um, but very good. You know, I I feel like I really honed my skills and kind of found my voice a little bit as a writer there. Um, And I mean, that's the abridged version. I got lucky out of school. I ended up getting signed by a manager and 
Warrior Nun season one was my first job one year later. So yeah, that's what amazing. A way to start. Yay! Wow. <laughs> my only response that is- to that is damn. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's my response too. Like I tell people, like <laughs> no one's more surprised than me. I'm so confused as to how all of this has occurred. <laughs> also, I know this that just feeling. shows how important arts are in school. Mm-hmm. True, it really true. does. Very important. Yeah, very important. Thank goodness for that professor, right? still in touch with her she's one of my favorite people like i tell her all the time i'm like i wouldn't have a career without you you know so thank you you know (laughs) everyone needs one i have a professor like that who has just helped me so much so it's really cool it is i love when when teachers do that (laughs) for television writers can you describe what it's like to work in the writer's room versus having your own episodes Oh, that's a good question. Because um, everybody like says like, oh, it's this person who wrote it. But then you hear about the writer's room where everyone is. Yeah. Yeah. So with TV, or at least um, my experience, um, or I, I could talk about Warrior Nun specifically since, you know, mm-hmm. here we are. Um, <laughs> we So there were, I think, seven of us plus three assistants in the season one room and then less of us in season two. But we all broke all the episodes together. So like in the room, we would just kind of come in and discuss the stories and, you know, the characters and what we wanted their arcs to be and where we wanted them to end up, like from episode one to episode 10 or episode eight in season two. And once we landed on, you know, what we wanted for the characters in the story, we would like go through each episode, all of us as a group, the writers, and just kind of write out the beats just very vaguely in terms of like what happens in each episode to try to break the episodes um, and just discuss them and, and you know, try to, you know, avoid plot holes and, and just get them as, as tightly broken as we could. And then once we got all the episodes to that place where we felt like, okay, in general, we know what happens in each one, um, we were assigned episodes to write. Um, Simon would kind of try and choose episodes that he felt like fit the voice um, of each writer. And so that was when we kind of went off on our own and like would write an outline for the episode you were assigned and then come back to the room. Everyone reads your outline, everyone gives you notes. And then you might go back and revise your outline or you might go back and take those notes and start writing the script and kind of incorporate people's thoughts and notes into your first draft of the script. And it would just kind of go that way. You know, we would draft the scripts and we'd all read our drafts and try to track like, oh yeah, like I wrote this and this, like this weird thing I came up with, could you pay this off in your episode? Or like, oh, like I came up with this thing or I had this idea, maybe you could put it in your episode and we would all just kind of collaborate um, in that way. Um, So yeah, it was kind of a little bit of writing on your own in a corner and a little bit of everybody working together to try to find uh, the best version of the story. So, yeah. So basically all the episodes are getting written at the same time? Yeah, for Warrior Nun they were. Yeah, it was, it was kind wow, of like we would all cool. get assigned and Simon would be like, see you guys in a week. Have fun. <laughs> uh, let, let me know if anything comes up. We can hop on Zoom and talk about it. <laughs> That's, That's interesting. Awesome. You would think that would be like really choppy. Like if it's everybody's writing a different one all at the same time and they don't know what's came before. I mean, you can have the story, but it's just that blows my mind. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was a little bit wild. I think the only time that that episodes were written before 
each other, I think was season one because Simon wrote the pilot. Like I remember we sense. had finally broken, broken the first season and kind of tried to come up with what the show was. And since Simon's the showrunner, you know, he's the ultimate voice of the show. And so he like went off to write the pilot and came back with like the first, you know, episode one warrior nun script. And we're just like, oh, so this <laughs> is what the show is. I gotcha. Okay. I see. I see what you're doing there. Uh huh. Yep. I see you, Simon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, our listeners absolutely love Warrior Nun. That's an understatement. Uh, it's a, it is an <laughs> understatement. I don't think there's an English word that cap and captures how much they feel about this show, and us included. <laughs> um, what was your overall experience like working on that show from just like season one to season two? Yeah, so um, like I said, season one was my first ever job in entertainment, in television, just in general. Um, and it was an amazing experience. Like I went in super nervous because you know, like you hear all those horror stories about like writer's rooms where everyone's competitive and like mean and it's terrible. And like, I'm like maybe 24 years old, like not really knowing. <laughs> doing um but season one was amazing like i feel like everyone in that room is so talented first of all but also you know me as a staff writer i just felt so supported um and i kind of felt like i was surrounded by a lot of mentors who were kind of like teaching me the old ways of television writing which was great um and just on top of that you know we were all so passionate about telling the story and a lot of that came from simon you know and the way that he really made sure the room was a really safe place for all of us and and that we could, you know, open up and tell stories about our lives and insert that into the show as much as possible. So yeah, it was incredible. And it was a lot of work. It was really hard. Uh, <laughs> it was it was intense at times. Um, but sure. <laughs> what an incredible experience. Yeah. I can imagine. That's so awesome. Um, so I have a scene from 107 in particular. Mm -hmm. that I love and it's when Sister Crimson like cheap shots Beatrice when they're sparring yes but my the reason I love it is because later on when Beatrice gets her back there's so much payoff when Beatrice just like owns her later yes and so thanks for that <laughs> first of all <laughs> you're welcome but also that was a collaboration between myself oh, and Suzanne Chuckley. um hell yeah that episode together and so she wrote she wrote the scene where um Beatrice got her revenge so just saying <gasps> that's Suzanne amazing sweet. Oh, love it <laughs> well tell her kudos so I will but <laughs> it segues me into the question which episode of Warrior Nun are you most proud of writing Ooh, that's a good question. I'm proud of all of them. I feel like if I had to choose one though, it might be 205, um, season two, episode mm -hmm. five, just because it was, A, it was the first episode of TV I ever wrote on my own. Um, mm -hmm. wow. And so it was like the first time, you know, Simon was like, that's you, Shella. I was like, let's go. Um, but also I feel like it was it was really challenging episode to write in a lot of ways there were a lot of moving pieces and like the outline of that episode the beats were very vague um when we went off to like actually um write the outline and and, and write the script and so a lot of it I just kind of came up with 
of my own. So it's wow. very much like my episode in a lot of ways. And, That's awesome. Um, so I'm really proud of it. Yeah. That's so awesome. So cool. Well, you did a wonderful job. So. Yes, you. <laughs> Season so two much. was just so phenomenal. Like we were and you should if you watch our reaction videos we're like blown away the whole time <laughs> yeah it was insane i'm glad except you guys the times where i was it. just exhausted but it was late at night it wasn't your fault <laughs> understandable understandable <laughs> but i'm so glad you guys enjoyed it i was blown away by season two as well because you know before it came out i hadn't really seen anything outside of like early cuts mm -hmm. and so seeing it all together and then seeing seeing the amazing like actors and what they brought to everything and like the changes mm -hmm. they made on set which i think elevated a lot of what we'd written like it was just i was blown away too i was like oh gee it's so much better than season one and season one was already good <laughs> <laughs> we agree <laughs> it was mind-blowing like, took it up 10 notches yeah yes. absolutely yeah. and i mean all the gayness did uh certainly the gayness helped <laughs> Hit just right let me tell you <laughs> and it was so like satisfying too because we had been planning like since i think literally since like maybe the first or second day of the writer's room of season one we were like oh yeah ava and beatrice are in game like we like planned that from the beginning and like so when season one came out and all the fans were like shipping avatrice we were like yes like they like they're in it they're, they're like into it and and so seeing like how excited everyone was to like see the relationship blossom in season two was just like uh like i'm so glad that the fans like picked up on everything that we set up in season one so yeah you guys well did a really good job the actors did a phenomenal job Ugh. oh they're amazing they're amazing well so back to 205 specifically yes. Camilla, Camilla, sorry, and Beatrice have an interesting dynamic shift in season two that culminates in an honest conversation, episode 205, when Camilla calls out Beatrice for her feelings for Ava. What factors drove the dynamic change between Camilla and Beatrice from season one to season two? That's a good question. You know, I think... I think one thing is that, you know, in season one, like, I'm sure you guys have heard the story of the origin of Camilla, that like, she wasn't even supposed to live <laughs> past season one. Um, we created her, but we loved her so much, we wanted to keep her. You know, she's she's kind of this um, Ricky kind of character in season one, and she has a lot to prove. And, you know, she, she wants to be part of the team, but, you know, she's still learning and, she, you know, she's very much, very much me. I related a lot to Camilla in season one. Um, and oh, so I think in season two, we we really wanted to like um, grow her arc and sort of deepen her character. And, you know, one way to do that is kind of, you know, to allow her to have a little bit of friction with Beatrice in certain ways, you know, like Camilla has learned a lot since season one. She's been through a lot, you know, they, they had, this whole fight with Adriel that went south. And since then, Camilla and Mother Superior have been holding down the fort of the OCS by themselves, essentially, while everyone's in hiding. And so, you know, I think assuming that Camilla has taken on more responsibilities and has grown since then, like all of a sudden being back under Beatrice's charge would just naturally cause a little bit of friction because Camilla has grown and, and Beatrice has changed too in some ways and, and they have to sort of come to terms with each other again. And so I think that's a lot of um, 
you know, where, where their growth comes from in terms of their friendship and their relationship and maybe their sisterhood <laughs> um, throughout the two seasons. But also, um, you know, in, in season two, our, our actress for Shotgun Mary, um, Toya, had some scheduling concerns or, you know, some, some personal things. And so unfortunately, um, she couldn't work with us on season two. And so some of Mary's, um, some of Mary's arc, some of what we originally planned for the Mary character went to Camilla. And so some of what you're seeing um, in terms of like Camilla um, confronting Beatrice about her feelings for Ava, you know, that was originally a Mary scene um, that that we gave to Camilla, which honestly, I think it works really well. Like, I, I think it's a really like beautiful and delicate scene, especially considering the, the friction between them previously, you know? So, yeah. Yes, that was literally my next question, because the first time I watched that scene and Camilla's lines, like the dialogue, I was like, this sounds like Mary dialogue because of her mm -hmm. like relationship with Shannon versus like yeah. Camilla having insight into warrior nun relationships. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that that was originally um, a, a Mary scene. And we, you know, we wrote it originally to imply that, you know, Mary and Shannon clearly, clearly were a unit. Um, and that Mary could see yes. that same thing in Beatrice and Ava. But also, I, I think it works for Camilla because I believe it's season one, episode eight. You know, Camilla gives um, Beatrice and Ava the warrior nun book. <laughs> Lesbish, you know. We call her the ship captain because of that. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, Camilla clearly knows what she's doing. Like, she might be sweet, but she's not that naive, you know, like she... She pays attention. She knows what's happening. Girl's not blind, all right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Also, it's a it's a good moment of character growth from season one to season two because Camilla's becoming independent, not the rookie, and like yeah. calling out her former boss. Yeah. So yeah. it works exactly. totally. It yeah, totally absolutely. works. <laughs> Love that scene for Camilla. Yes. Yeah. But um great dialogue. Absolutely. Yes. I, I think I think David Hayter did a little bit of a rewrite on that scene when it switched to Camilla and it mm -hmm. worked so well. So David, so let's go. Kudos to Hayter. Okay. <laughs> so many good people. Just tell everyone we love their writing and they're awesome. That's yes. all. Oh, I will. Better yet, just <laughs> let's get all of you on a group interview call and let's just talk to everybody. I will just love write it. a spec script for three. <laughs> <laughs> also, no, shout, out to all the, shout out to all the jokes in season two. Also, they were oh, all phenomenal. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you guys excellent. enjoyed. <laughs> um, so, we were cracking ourselves up in the writers' rooms. So. Oh, I'm sure you were. <laughs> I want to be. I would like to be. Would have liked to have been a fly on the wall in that room. Just, just to. The creation of the uh, erotic pastry van scene, just to like be like how wow, that was developing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> nuns in a van. <laughs> yeah, uh, they were Great having concept. none of it. No. Oh wait, show everybody your mug, also, please. Oh my god, yes, I keep forgetting mug, about Sheila, it. Please, please. So this was a season one gift from Brendan Gallagher, who was he was the writer's assistant on season one and then a staff writer on season two. And he gave one of these to all of us. And I keep it's mine. It's a good wonderful. mug. For the people listening at home who can't see it, it says fucks I give question mark. And then it's a picture of a nun and it says none and you it's perfect. <laughs> and winking. <laughs> 
is the winking. It does. Okay. So the scene after Ava falls after phasing out of the building during mm -hmm. uh, the Mother Superior and Company rescue was freaking heart wrenching because Beatrice thinks that her greatest fear is coming true and that mm -hmm. Ava might be dead. Mm -hmm. First of all, thank you for nearly breaking our hearts. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> Surprise. Um, but we're curious about the way their relationship developed and what uh, you all wanted the audience to feel in that scene. Um, yeah, no, that's a great question. I think that, you know, for that scene, it's a little bit of foreshadowing, right? Um, for what happens at the end of the season. But also, you know, I think this is really one of the first times that for Beatrice, you know, she kind of professes her love a little bit to Ava in that moment because she thinks that she's gone or that she could lose her. And so it's a real turning point for them. It's a real moment of honesty for the two of them. And I think that, you know, I think for us, it's kind of the moment where if you're a viewer and you haven't been picking up on the subtleties <laughs> throughout season one and the first part of season two, well, like, this is like, you know, we're hitting you over the head with it. Like, there's something going on between these two characters and it's not just friendship. They are not gal pals. Um, they are, they love each other. Those people who think that are definitely not on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> very true so yeah we we wanted it to be you know especially for beatrice um and you know she's a person who's she's had to repress her true self and and who she really is and so you know for her when you know she's pushed to the edge here and she has to let that part of herself out a little bit so it's a tender moment for her really for both of them and you know for the audience it's it's showing them like how much these two care for each other so so yeah. how self-aware were each of them about these feelings, do you think? Like, how long did each of them know that that Ooh. was a thing? It's a good question. I mean, I think I think Beatrice has known the longest. Um, I think that, mm -hmm. you know, from maybe from season one, even from when Ava first ends up at the OCS when they, like, capture her after Jillian's thing, I think Beatrice has some feelings for Ava that she's trying to let go of, you know, because that's the whole reason that she's a nun in the first place, right? Is, you know, she, she's had to repress that part of herself. And so I think Beatrice is no the longest. I think Ava, like the way I see Ava, is she's kind of, she's kind of a puppy. Like she kind of loves everyone. <laughs> she, she's gotten this she's second funny. chance at life and she's kind of, going through the world and just heart eyes at everything around her. And so I, I, I don't think that Ava, I think Ava had feelings for Beatrice, but I don't think Ava was aware of it or what it meant or how deep it was until much later on. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I, I think Beatrice knew first and I think Ava was aware after the fact. Cause I, I know there's that scene in, isn't it episode one? one Which episode is it? 201. With the, where there, she convinces Beatrice to drink with her. <laughs> and then you have that moment, that kind of like slow-mo moment where Ava's looking at Beatrice dance and she's like, oh shit. Oh. 
<laughs> yeah, like I, I think Ava's that kind of person. I feel like I feel like it. I feel like it's the sort of thing that hits her all at once, you know, versus for Beatrice, mm -hmm. it's been like slowly like simmering within her mm -hmm. for like weeks and months on end. And she's just trying to ignore it. <laughs> Ava's just like, you know what? Actually kind of love you. I think IDK. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, no, no, no. That's so true. <laughs> IDK, you want to make out? <laughs> yeah. Like that would be sick. I'm just saying. <laughs> Just say it. Another man. shot. I don't know. You're, <laughs> you're kind of pretty, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> That's so Ava. Yeah. So Ava, I love it. I have a question, and I not that labels matter, but for the podcast, is Ava bi or pan or? I think Ava might be. I feel like I think of her as kind of pan, you know, like, I feel like mm -hmm. she, I feel like she could fall in love with anyone. And, you know, their gender is not really a factor for her. I, I think she's just the type of person who can just see through to everyone's heart and just love them where they are. Um, and I think, I think Beatrice is gay. <laughs> I think, I think Beatrice is a lesbian. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's how I feel. <laughs> Guys, we need to uh, update our slogan. It's not shots for by Jesus anymore. It's yeah, we have we have slogans. One of them is uh, hydrate for lesbian Jesus. I love that uh, because from Motherland, Fort Salem, we had lesbian Jesus in one of the characters. So uh, then Ava, Ava became either bisexual or pansexual Jesus, and we needed to nail it down. So thank you. <laughs> I think she I think of her as pan I I think I think you have to ask Simon for the official word but right if you ask me Ava can swing in I'm any glad, direction I'm glad we were <laughs> on the right track excellent oh yeah that wasn't the actual question I was supposed to ask <laughs> so my <laughs> official question is in 207 there is a scene with sad Ava sitting on a queen-sized bed with two pillows and we need to know, for science, if Ava and Beatrice were still sharing a bed at this point. That's a great question. Um, I cannot answer that question because I believe that was a decision made on set um, with the production designer Ooh. and probably mm. Simon, I think, who directed that episode. So you might, you might have to ask them, but if you ask me, like if, if you wanna know what my theory is, absolutely mm -hmm. they yes. were sharing a bed. I mm. mean, come on, come on. You really it's lonely in the OCS compound. I'm just saying. <laughs> there are 95 fan fictions in that. Just saying. I believe you. I, I have not read any of the fan fictions, but I believe. <laughs> I just see. I just see them all in my head. <laughs> there are 95 fan fictions in Marie's head. Addendum. In my head alone, not out in the world. I haven't read any. <laughs> It doesn't count the real life ones. <laughs> no, that's no. not counting the yeah. Said. It's a very specific number, but whatever. Um because yeah. we just we had a thing with the the bedroom that they were sharing in Switzerland. Because we were like, mm -hmm. this is the gayest room ever, number one. <laughs> and we asked Barbara about we it. We asked Barbara about it. Yes. <laughs> she was like, I didn't realize it, but I'm glad <laughs> that uh, that it came across yeah. that way. We're like, there was plaque everywhere, Barbara. How did you not know? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I, I, 
I think they were. I think they were sharing a lot of them. Um, mm. But that's just me. I don't know. I I'm, 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 so I'm biased. <laughs> yeah, for real. Well, Ava's a cuddler. Come on, let's. Her, I feel like her, one of her love languages is touch, especially since she's it definitely is so much of her she's life. She's a not puppy. Feel she's a puppy. Exactly. Beatrice, pet my hair, please. <laughs> I love the puppies. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. I am a puppy. I too. love it. So, <clears throat> question though. So you wrote three episodes of Warrior Nun. But if you could have like taken the helm to write a different episode from se either season one or season two mm -hmm. to write, which one would you have picked? Oh man, which one would I have picked? There's so many good ones. Um, I know it's a hard one. I think I probably would have liked either season two, episode four, because I love the church fight. You know, I, I love a good action. Oh, yes. Um, you mean it's not because of the erotic pastries? <laughs> that would have been your episode. <laughs> I love an erotic pastry, you know, like this playing. But yes, I think pr probably season two, episode four, or probably season one, episode eight. Um, just because I love, yeah. I love the character yes. development between Mary and Vincent in that episode. And I love, um, Eva Beatrice reading the Warrior Nun book together, and there's just so much like meaty goodness in that episode. There is. That I Beatrice love Beatrice pretty um, much coming out in a way. Yeah, like I just think. But that said, I'm glad I didn't write those episodes because I feel like the way that they are are, are perfect, and I could I would just make it worse. So <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> I think it's great. No. I doubt that. <laughs> I doubt that. But um. All right. So what do you want, what would you want to see happen in season three? If there was Ooh, one, if there were a season three, what would I want to see happen? I mean, I think, um, I'd love to see what the heck happened to Ava when she was on the other right. side with Rhea. Um, because you know, totally. at the end of season two, we find out she's back from the glowing sword clearly. And so love to catch up with her. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, obviously deepen the Ava Beatrice um, story and, and continue it um, in some way. Like I personally, I would love for them to get there happily ever after, you know? Um, mm. And that's not something that's, that would be easy for them to get, especially considering that, you know, there's a literal holy war <laughs> that's about to occur. And so I think it would mm. be uh, rife with danger and uncertainty and, perhaps friction between the two of them, but ultimately I would love to see them, you know, have their happy ending. And I think also just like, see where the other characters have ended up. Like personally, I would love to have um, a redemption arc for Vincent. Um, would love to- <laughs> I That's what got reaction with Vincent, I'm sorry. <laughs> I want to bring Vincent back. I've always been a Vincent apologist. I don't know. Why? Oh, you Laura, Laura, tell tell her your name for Vincent. Oh, oh, I call him the not hot priest, like from Fleabag. Fair. That's fair. That's very Thank fair. You. I, I I respect that name. <laughs> But yeah, you have to I, do I, a lot of making up. 
Yes, exactly. But I just feel like, you know, he's kind of like he's this person who made a lot of really terrible decisions, but he's also suffered a lot for his decisions, you know, especially in season two. And so I would just like to see him like contend with the real consequences of his choices and maybe like come out a better human being. I think that would be interesting. Um, and yeah, just just see what happens with the other characters. You know, what's going on uh, with uh, Camilla and that cute boy she was flirting with? And, mm-hmm. <laughs> and also, what happened know, to her in Mother Superior? That's our question. Good question. Very good question. Questions that would need to be answered in season there, three. There are so many questions for season three. Yeah, yes, but like, yeah. I love I all need the points you brought up. Why am I, I'm like, I am like blanking on her name. I can only remember her, her Yasmin? actual name. Yasmin. Thank you. Yes, All I can think of was Mina. All I can yeah. think of is Mina. Anyway, <laughs> I want to know if she joins the OCS. That's all I wanted to know. That's a great question. I, I just think. want more Yasmin. She's great. We She's want more great, Yasmin. right? I love her. <laughs> I love her so much. And Mina did such a great job bringing her to life. Yes. Because you know? when we oh, wrote sure. her. She, she was the only, one of the only characters in season two that we wrote and didn't have a face for, for the actor, because we hadn't cast her mm-hmm. yet. And so, like, it was just, like, the magic of season one, almost, like, seeing her bring Yasmin to life was just, like, ugh, even better than on the page. <laughs> yes. Good old Mina. I really I want to her. see Lilith back with the others more. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. That was something that was missing this season that I just, like, wanted, and I understand why they weren't. Mm-hmm like working together but i just i like it when everybody's together yeah it's great yeah. Also, mary's alive uh yeah i head. want i want mary back yeah return of shock and mary she's not dead so yeah there's no body there's no she body, just no body out. Out. she was she was like actually y'all it's not for me Mm-mm. it's giving <laughs> i'm gone <laughs> she, i think she could come back in season three and and you know i would really love to see beatrice's backstory like for real like yes. I thank you to me too. Like, meet Absolutely. her parents or see or know mm-hmm. what happened like how did she actually end up in the ocs and like yes. you know what was the catalyst that drove her here like i i would just love to know her concrete story so totally yeah i That's have a theory on mary pick it up Ooh. Let's go. This is me coming up with random theories in my head. <laughs> That's not an actual theory. It's just me writing random shit. Mary is just uh, in the shadows being like, you guys need to learn to fight your own damn fights. And that's why she isn't there. She's True. sick of cleaning up their messes. And we respect it. We love that for her. Mm-hmm. Period. Mary's yeah. just chilling. Yeah. Just chilling. Like, just chilling. I can't keep taking care of this puppy. Yeah. She's like, I'm tired. Okay, I'm older than all of you. I'm actually just gonna go home, I think, and let you mm-hmm. guys figure this one out. I like that. We had me. a whole hike. I had to hike with the puppy for like forever <laughs> in season one. I'm over it. <laughs> Tried to potty train the puppy, didn't really exactly. work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the puppy could get really aggressive too. <laughs> Yeah, don't like uh, puppies. We, we could talk yeah. about Warrior Nun forever, but I also want to get to know you better and our audience yeah. gets to know you better as well. So we have to talk about the Black Book that you created. 
Can you explain what it is and why it is so important? (laughs) Yeah, of course. So I, so the Black Book is something that I started along with the WGA Committee of Black Writers back in 2019. And like for context, there was an action in the Writers Guild, which by the way, was awesome. Like we all supported it, where all of us writers like left our agencies um, kind of in protest of their um, packaging practices, which were kind of making them bad fiduciaries basically for writers and and you know it was making them a lot of money but making us not that much money and so we left them in protest um during that year and so everyone lost their agents and you know there was a concern especially amongst like um minority writers and lgbt writers and different groups of writers that like this would be bad for representation because you know a lot of a lot of studios a lot of shows a lot of movies will just like they'll be like oh like we can't we can't find black writers and now that we can't go to the agencies and ask them for their list of black writers because you're all striking i guess we'll just hire the straight white man again you know like there was a concern (laughs) that like that was going to happen That is and a very so, valid concern. I mean, yeah, totally. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so um, with the help of the Committee of Black Writers um, in the WGA, um, I started a list of Black writers that we call the Black Book. And we we sort of listed, I think it's over 250 at this point, um, Black writers in the WGA who are available for work in various different genres, you know, drama, comedy, animation, video games, like anything like you could think of, they all work in those different um, mediums. And we spread it around um, to different studios and and different people who are hiring to say like, hey, like, please do not say that you can't find black writers. Um, And it ended up being this really huge thing. And I was kind of blown away by it because, you know, it was just it was something that came up in the committee and I just came up with a, it's just a Google doc. Like, it's really not, it's really not that complicated, but people were like, Oh my gosh, Shilla, like you made the flag. Look. Like I even got on 30 under 30 for it. And I'm just like, it's just, it's just, it's just a Google. It's, it's really like, just a Google I made doc. A- like, <laughs> like, I promise. But it's that the fact that you were like, let's do this. And you had took the initiative to create something that helped so many uh projects and people in a time where this is what was needed Mm -hmm. yeah you should be recognized for it thank you i i am i am very proud and like to this day writers will message me and say like you know i just got hired off of someone who found me on the black book like literally that happened like a couple weeks ago someone sent me that email and so it like warms my heart that a people still use it and b that it's helped so many writers uh get jobs especially in especially in this economy (laughs) yeah (laughs) no joke uh that's so amazing so how did it feel to learn you were on the forbes 30 under 30 list that's a big accomplishment how did that feel wild to be honest like i yeah for context before the list came out like i got contacted by one of the editors at forbes and they were like hey we're considering you for 
the the 30 under 30 list uh can you like send us some more information about yourself and i was just like first of all how did you find me right. <laughs> second of all it's <laughs> not hard why <laughs> probably probably not it's probably not that hard but i was just like who are you people and it's kind of ironic because i've always been the type of person who's like you know, I hate those kinds of lists because they just make people feel bad about themselves. And it doesn't matter what age you are, like, you, like your accomplishments still matter. Like, ageism is bad. Like, I've always been that person. And so for me to get contacted about being on the list, I was just like, oh, no, this is good. I'm going to look like a hypocrite. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> but I was like, you know, they're just considering me. Like, maybe I'm not going to be on. And then the day that the list came out, like several of my friends were like, oh my gosh, Shilla, like congratulations, you're on Forbes under 30. And I was like, what? <laughs> because it was like three months later and I hadn't heard anything back. So I assumed like, oh, you know, I'm, prob I'm probably not on the list. No way. But I made the list. So it, it was very unexpected and ironic considering my ageism stance. Um, but here we are. Here we are. Yeah. Just take it. Anyway, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it was cool. Anyway, it comes recognition. So, <laughs> well, you participated in AFI's Writers Room Ready as a recipient mm -hmm. and then went on to become a mentor yourself. Can you talk a little bit about that program? That was really cool. So, um, it, I believe it was before I graduated. Um, like all the writers in the writing program at AFI can submit like what they think is their best TV script. And it's sort of judged by a bunch of AFI alumni who work um, in the industry in various ways. And all the scripts are like given points. And then I think the top five scripts get chosen for Writers Room Ready, where you basically get paired with um, an AFI alumni mentor to sort of help you in your career just as you're coming out of school. And so I had originally um, at school written a script called No Quarter for Wild Beasts, which was kind of based off of, um, it's based off of the stories of the Black Panthers in Chicago um, in the 60s. Because um, my grandpa used to kind of run in those circles when he was younger, oh, he'd tell me stories um, when I was a kid. So I kind of wrote a little bit of that based off of him and, and his life um, in Chicago. And um, that script got me Writers Room Ready, which was amazing. Um, and I got paired with an incredible mentor um, who worked with me all that year and just gave me really great advice, especially like right after I got hired on Warrior Nun, you know, I had so many questions mm -hmm. and she was there for me. <laughs> so thank you very much if you're watching. Um, and so, yeah, then a couple, I think it was a few years later, um, one of my old screenwriting professors from AFI reached out to me and was like, hey, you know, I know that you've benefited from Writers Room Ready, so we're wondering if you want to do it too. And I was like, sure, that would be so cool, but also, wow, I get to be a mentor. I don't know what I'm going to say. Like, I hope I can help them. <laughs> but um, my mentee was incredible. Literally, like, within, I think within a year of us being paired together, she won the Screenwriting Nickel Fellowship. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> and wow. her career has just, like, taken off since then. And so I am, I'm just really honored to be, 
um, part of the program and to see both sides of it and to have been able to help a little bit, you know, my own way. So, yeah. To watch your little baby go <laughs> off into the world. <laughs> exactly. I mean, but, you know, she was talented without me. She, she had really good questions. And I was like, I will try to give you my best answers. But this is <laughs> a whole, this industry makes no sense and nothing matters and everything's exactly. So here we go. <laughs> it's like a game of whose line is it anyway? <laughs> exactly. Everything's made up. The points don't matter. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well, you basically answered my question, but I'm going to change it and completely change the topic real quick. <laughs> so when I was creating questions, I went through Twitter, and the common theme that I saw was video games. Yes. And Bree is our resident video game expert, so I just wanted to get the time for you two to geek out about it. Theora? Video games! <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, no, I went through your Twitter, too, because we're those kind of people and uh, so you're so what games have you been playing this year i play everything um recently i finished um god of war ragnarok which i really That's enjoyed yeah. i honestly liked yeah. it more than um 2018 i think um i need to yeah. play it again but i really enjoyed it um i also played this indie game that came out two years ago but i'm late called omori oh my mm -hmm. gosh oh, yeah 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 yeah, I know that game about. was crazy like it, it's so like i think you know content warning for just about anything um in that game if you're if you're thinking about playing it but it's it's really just a really powerful experience like i had like full body goosebumps through a lot of that game oh that's amazing um i've been on i've been on a Fortnite kick with my friends they're like have super, you they're like got back into Fortnite, and i'm like okay sure let's do that i guess <laughs> I get into Fortnite every once in a while and I think my time is coming up because I can kind of feel the need to to go shoot some things but I'm mostly a <laughs> Destiny main like I Ooh. Destiny has been my thing for a long time but uh, so I just I mainly just do Destiny and Apex Legends so Apex let's go I love yeah. Apex I've never played <laughs> Destiny I know that I need to try it because I have a lot of friends like you, you who are like in it mm -hmm. um, but Apex I love some Apex. Yeah, I do too. I suck at it, but I love it. Same. It's a love-hate relationship. <laughs> we should Same. be terrible Same. together. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> then I won't feel bad about getting ran, like being the bad person in the random. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, guys. You got the bad person. It's cool, though. That's me. I'm like, please carry me. Please. Carry I want me. to be carried. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Well, I don't want to like bore Theora and I mean, who doesn't want to be carried? That was relatable. <laughs> I'm just saying. Just well, pick me up. There. Carry me yeah, to victory. Yeah. Exactly. Just in life, you know? <laughs> in life. The closest thing I get to games is Among Us. And I try to I love Among Us. Me. Yeah. We so try to play to get we we're trying to get play together. So we're we're gonna get Theora in there someday. 
one it's day. Fun. I don't know what that <laughs> is, but someday. <laughs> you know, fun but... fact, writer's room warrior nun, we were obsessed with this uh, card game called One Night Ultimate Werewolf, which is basically like board Ooh. game among us, where like someone's the werewolf <gasps> and you have to deduce who it is. We would oh, play so that cool. like almost every Friday after the room. Like we would just stay at the office and play werewolf. That so, sounds amazing. So fun. <laughs> it's like who did it or whatever. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. It's basically right. among us. But I have basically. one more question, uh, video game related, and then we can move on. But yes. what do you play on? What's your what's your platform? Everything. I play on PlayStation, Yay! Xbox, PC, Switch. I'm like sitting next to my PlayStation 5 controller right oh, now. Oh nice. Know. That's She's a ready color. for me. <laughs> she <Purple>. is. <laughs> I'm in the PC master master race. Yeah, I got rid of all period. my consoles, but <laughs> what can you do? We love PC. We love PC. Yeah, <laughs> we do. All right, time to time for you guys to take it back. All right, so to switch gears a little bit back into just media as a whole. So mm -hmm. we talk a lot on this podcast about quality representation, like in media and where we are now. Mm -hmm. So. How do you feel the industry is currently doing with like providing representation? Um, I think there are pros and cons. <laughs> um, I think that totally. in some ways, in some ways things have gotten a little bit better. Um, you're seeing more shows and movies being fronted by women and by queer people and by people of color on the surface. Um, but that said, I think that we're lacking in terms of a behind the scenes, there are not a lot of women and queer people and people of color telling their own stories. Um, and on top of that, I think that there is a reluctance in media in general to commit to those stories being told um, fully. Um, you know, I think that we see like not just with Warrior Nun, but you see like a lot of shows being canceled and a lot of um, a lot of projects just not being given a chance to blossom. And so I think that's a big issue. And and also I feel like sometimes the representation is a little bit generic. Like and, and I think some of that stems from again like women and queer people and people of color not being able to tell their own stories because it's often filtered through like a white straight lens and and that makes the story feel inauthentic and and maybe even a little bit tokenized and so i think while like i said on the surface to an extent like at least we're seeing these different characters and stories on screen like at you know bare minimum but i just think that we have such a long way to go in terms of like true representation and like showing the full breadth of humanity um of these characters mm -hmm. because like i said like when i was growing up in kentucky tv and film were often the only places that i saw myself mirrored even a little bit and like right now, when I think about other kids growing up in places uh, looking to see themselves mirrored, I don't know how many of them are seeing that in an authentic way today in 2023, which is um, which is disturbing. And so 
-hmm. yeah, we have a long way to go. We've, we've come a long way. We have a long way to go. That's how I feel. Yeah, it feels like we, we go, we come a long way and then we regress and then yep. we have to push forward again. So it's, yeah. a, it's a bit frustrating, but yeah. you're right. Like we've come a long way from uh, like 17 year old little me in Arkansas watching Buffy and being like, gay people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly we've come a long way from there but oh boy <laughs> we have a long way to we, go and we went backwards a little bit yeah yeah we could talk about that all day but literally yeah. all day literally all day. so thank you for um being in the writer's room being one of those behind the scenes people who like puts it through a really valuable lens for other people to see that is not the straight cis white lens because it's really tiring and honestly it's boring really tiring. like mm -hmm. it's tiring and it's boring and you can t you can always tell like i you feel like tell. i can yeah. always tell and it's like ooh, you didn't have anybody no. who looked like that in the writer's room did you no not at all it's so yeah so when there is a show that pops up that makes you really feel the genuine like this is a real these are characters who are cared for in their queerness and you know and everything that just it, mm -hmm. that's why warrior nun grabbed us so grabbed us so much because it showed the the natural way that it developed the the care that was given to it and it was just really uh, helpful i think to see someone like beatrice on screen reflecting that mm -hmm. back to an audience so thank, thank everyone you. for that thank you but... guys for embracing her like i just mm -hmm. feel like you know we we really we really wanted to make her real all of them all all the nuns but you know beatrice specifically like we, we wanted to make her real and and we wanted her to reflect us and so i think she does and you know, when I see her, I'm, I'm proud of her. I'm like, if I was, mm -hmm. if I was like a little queer girl growing up, if that was me right now, I would, mm -hmm. I would feel reflected by Beatrice. So, yeah. Absolutely. I, yeah. It, talking to Christina about it was like really cool because we got to yeah. see it from her perspective and now we're yeah. seeing it from your perspective and that's what we really love. And like, that's why we're here. So yay. But, <laughs> yay. Um, I took us off topic, but is there anything in your writing career? Like what's the ultimate accomplishment for you? Do you think, or do you have one? Like, um, thing I've already accomplished or thing I want to accomplish. Want to accomplish. Ooh, okay. Um, I think that for me, I would love to have my own show one day, you know, be the Simon mm -hmm. Barry of my own show. That would be pretty Heck sick, yeah. you know? I'm gonna get um, her own show. We get her, her show, too, please. <laughs> We're right there behind you. I will watch anything you write. Thank you. We will watch anything you write. Period. Especially if it's gay. <laughs> oh, don't worry. Since I'm gay, it'll be gay. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Thank you. It certainly won't be straight. Um, <laughs> 
but yeah that I feel like that would be something that would be um incredible and you know behind the scenes that's definitely something my team and I um are working on and then also um I'd love to work more in film um I recently mm -hmm. had the opportunity to um write a feature with Suzanne Kiley, who I work with on Where You're None, uh, which was really exciting. Nice. Um, but I'd love to branch out more into that um, and write more films and and maybe even direct one too. That in my back pocket yeah. as well. So Hell yeah. those are things, yeah. We're here for that ambition. <laughs> Thank you. Get you it. talked about it a little bit, but do you have anything currently in the works? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I, I just signed on to um, to a television show for Amazon. I don't know if I'm allowed to say what it is yet, so I won't. I but I signed on. Camera. Yeah, off camera. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. So um, so I, I'm working on that, and then like I said, I um, I wrote a wrote a movie with Suzanne, um, mm -hmm. which is exciting. Um, and I have some other things in development. I just finished a new pilot that my team is sending around. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, let us know and we will signal boost as much as we can. Anything yes. you have. Thank you. I'm excited. Oh, heck yeah. Um, well, that wraps up the questions that we have for today, but before we sign off, do you have any final words for the listeners at home? Um, well, thank you to the listeners at home. Um, I know that a lot of you are probably listening for that sick, sweet warrior nun content. And so I feel like I would just like to say that, um, you know, myself and, and all the writers on the show, like we were blown away and overwhelmed by your support and by how much you love and connect to the characters in the story. And, and just, you know, thank you for everything. Like you guys are amazing. and and lots of love to you. I'm making a heart with my hands. Yay. If you're not watching Yay. on camera, it's a heart. I love you. Heart you guys. Back. <laughs> um, well, thank you again for taking the time to talk yes, with us. You. We really appreciate it. And we loved getting to know you better. Yes, you so, guys too. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Oh, anytime. can come back any freaking time. <laughs> yes, we can Please. nerd out about other gay c content yes. and media together because I am also yes. a fan. So let's go. Yes. See? If you want to come on any episode, you want to just come on every week. <laughs> yeah, we're we're getting into a league. We're going to get into a league of their own. We're going to get into everything else. So I love a league of their own. Isn't <gasps> so it great? Good. It's so good. It's so and uh, maybe you have some perspective on that that you could share <laughs> at some point when we get into totally. it. So <laughs> amazing. Maybe we'll see you in the future. And to everyone at home listening, make sure you go check out Warrior Nun because it's amazing. <sighs> we, You know we love it. Anyway, thank you and see you later. Thank you. Bye. 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 And with that, we've been Big Gay Energy. If you like this episode, check out all our other episodes on whatever you're using to listen right now. If you're listening on Apple, we'd really appreciate it if you left us a review, no matter how brief. It helps us get into Apple's algorithm to reach a wider audience. Please feel free to reach out to us. We would love to hear from you about everything and anything. You can find us on all the social medias at Big Gay Energy Pod or email us at BigGayEnergyPod at gmail.com. If you'd like to make friends with other queer media-loving people, reach out to us to join our Discord server. 
If you'd like to support us, check out our merch store or join our Patreon for early access to episodes, exclusive content, and so much more. Until next time, stay safe and hydrate for Lesbian Jesus.